everybody welcome Ooh, to the used guys this show yeah yes you have and listen we have aaron from go fuck yourself industries that has been kind enough to join us and i have to get this out of the way you guys i have a total man crush on 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 aaron because i i've been listening to their show uh the friends against government podcast and he did something quite remarkable the other day which we're going to talk about like for the longest time, like when we had Sal on here, we were talking about how, like you know, the the Ancoms, right? Like our our uh, estranged, uh, you know, like stepbrothers from hell. Yeah. That you know that we we I always they thought that the shallow end of the gene pool. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I thought that they were like you know Bolsheviks in disguise, and Aaron completely blew my theory out of the water by what he's been doing on Twitter. And it is fun. like, I, I took notes when I was at work the other day. I'm like, oh my, this is fucking brilliant. And then I watched it happen. Like I'm following every thread now, every thread. And it's perfect. It is absolutely perfect. And it's beautiful. And now other people are doing it too. They're doing the hashtag BLM and putting the hammer and sickle emoji up there. Oh no, dude, Aaron, you're, you're my fucking hero, man. Like seriously, like I, if you could explain for our audience and for us, how we, what exactly, how did this whole thing start and why are you doing it and why is it so effective against, like, uh, with ANCOMs? I won't say against, but with ANCOMs. Well, it all stems from my abject hatred of progressivism. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, it's always been with me. Um, I started off, like, you know, as a high schooler being a, normie boomer neocon george bush and all that shit and then um graduated into normie libertarianism like big l and um throughout that throughout the entirety of my my evolution no matter what period of it it was i've always had this abject hatred of progressivism um what i used to consider liberalism but you know don't anymore um so from that, I derived this idea of, like, what approaches can I take to best troll progressives? And it's led me to um, not attacking from the right, as we've seen countless times on our on our timelines. You know, you get into an argument with a progressive, with an anarcho-communist, even with a Marxist-Leninist. If you if you argue with them from the standpoint of a Rothbardian libertarianism anarcho-capitalism you're not going to get anywhere it's just going to be a it, it's going to be a pissing contest and nothing's nothing exciting is going to happen nothing entertaining is going to happen and you need to have that level of entertainment yes in order in order to appeal to people you have to <laughs> um so i i stumbled upon this thread of uh, anarcho-communists and Marxist-Leninists getting into it, which is something that I've never seen before. Um, and it, it blew my mind because I, I, I'm sure we've all had this idea that the left, regardless of where they fall on the spectrum, like within their quadrants, that the left is, rel is a relatively unified, um, relatively unified idea, unified group. So to see them going at each other's throats 
and just throwing memes at each other and insults. And like, you'll have the occasional person being like, stop fighting, stop fighting guys. Hashtag left unity. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Left unity. Yeah, that that's, that's like the icing on the cake in those threads. Cause there's all, I, I've seen probably three threads so far of Ancoms and Marxist Leninists going at it. And there's always, there's always someone being like, come on guys, we need to like focus on what we agree on smash capitalism and all that crap um (laughs) it never fails so that that kind of led me to start exploring ways in which i can best fuck with the left from the left and as far as uh history goes marxist leninists unequivocally have the upper hand um when you think of like the old trope that, oh, well, no country has ever tried anarcho-capitalism before. Well, countries have tried Marxist-Leninism. And, you know, it, it might be hard for ANCAPs to hear, but they actually got somewhere with it. And there is an argument, not a very good argument, but an argument to be made that they achieved something close to um, parity with with nominally capitalist nations, the West. So I, I took that and ran with it. And here I am <laughs> and with a hammer and sickle emoji. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's perfect because I watched it happen today in real time. I was at work and I was like, I was following everything and I watched you troll. And now other people are jumping in on it and there is no comeback to it. Like the line about the Soviet union being the most successful example <laughs> Like yeah. and there is no coming back from that. Like you can't argue with it. And like you, like you were saying before, uh, on the other show that uh, that you're with, like they 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 fold. They pack up their tent and they get the fuck out of the conversation. Yep. It's perfect. And but before they fold, if they don't end up folding immediately, it's always like a deferential argument. Like, well, you know, that's that's not really what we're talking about. And you know. Uh, you, your tone is a little bit aggressive or something <laughs> to that effect. And like, it's, it's amazing. And it's time and time again, like you said, it, and I don't know, I'm, I'm not one to toot my own horn, but I think I might be onto something. <laughs> no, no, no. It, 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 it must be tooted because it's, it's perfect because everybody like I'm, I don't identify as an ANCAP. Like we, we've had Keith Preston on the show and I think he called it best. And we're like, you know, I'm very like, we're all pretty on this show. Generic about our anarchism, like we're more, you know, I, I'm more of a market anarchist or like, you know, an agorist, for example, but I see ANCAPs get fucking tore up. The first, that the, the, the immediate loss in the argument, at least from the anarcho-capitalist is they hit them with the, well, you're not a real anarchist because you don't come from the left, which traditionally, yes, that was the first anarchists were, were ANCOMs, yes. you know what I mean? So they already lose a footing in the argument immediately. Yeah, ANCOMs, ANCOMs own that. They have, they're very comfortable in that space. When it comes to arguing with anarcho-capitalists, you will not find one ANCOM that cannot, like, win. I mean, yeah. win to them. Like, right. An- ANCAPs have to get really specific. They have to get into the weeds about how, about how they're anarchists and ANCOMs aren't. You can say, like, oh, communism requires a state. But anarcho-communists will tell you right off the bat, the definition of communism in its in its fulfillment is a classless stateless society yep so like it's you don't hit them on that you hit them on the strategy which is marxist leninism now here's the question i saw pete put this up uh today when he was replying to somebody like saying what are you going to do when i decide i don't want to work or i don't want to participate of course I'm, I'm i'm paraphrasing what he said in the tweet and I thought it was brilliant because is I think that's a good way to draw them out. You got to draw out that authoritarian uh, streak in them because what are you going to do if I decide, you know what, in this fucking system that you have, there's no incentive for me to do anything. So what are you going to do when I decide to do nothing? And the only there's only I mean, of course, people from, I guess, the 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 uh, liberty side of it will say, well, I mean, you can get the fuck out, I guess. But they never say that, do they? Because there's no leaving the camp. There's no leaving the gulag. Once you're in, it's your fucking in. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's there's no concept of black markets or the fact that you can be a capitalist and still fight against other capitalists. Like there's there are no agorists. There's no it's, it doesn't exist in the Marxist in, in, in any any 
brand of Marxism's paradigm. Um, and anything else, like the closest thing they can come up with is, well, you'd be considered a reactionary, a counter-revolutionary, and like you said, you'd be cons- you'd get sent to the gulag. And that's- or you would be you would be re-educated. Yes, you'd be, first they would uh, try re-education with you know forced labor, and then when when you didn't get the point after that, I guess that's when the liquidation begins. Uh, I sent uh, I sent the group this thing. Yes, liquidation. You're going to become fucking fertilizer for the crops Our that can't grow. On discount. <laughs> so this... or you would be put into a barrel full of nails and rolled down a hill, which is you know a real life example of what the Bolsheviks did to. Um, to an anarchist <laughs> that's true Jesus. that's lost on so many people man like the ancoms made an alliance like was it's uh uh nestor Macno. he made an alliance with the bolsheviks to fight the whites and they're like thanks for your help pal uh now you can fucking get the give us our guns or get the fuck out of here and he ended up fucking off to france like he was so yeah. like it was terrible for them like they all ended up dead yeah yeah but you know i i have a couple of marxist leninist like actual Marxist Leninist followers. And like, I've been picking their brain and um, I didn't know this, but during uh, one of the all Russian Soviet Congresses, like uh, shortly after the revolution, when they were kind of figuring out like what their foreign policy is, what their domestic policy is. um, The ANCOMs just ended up getting so frustrated. They peaced out and started bombing those. (laughs) Like they started bombing like the, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the like the gatherings of uh, all the all the Soviet higher ups, and um, that was like one of the one of the justifications he used as to why the Bolsheviks were so anti anarchist, anti Menshevik, and like it made sense to me. Like you're gonna bomb our fucking councils, all right? You're getting purged. Yeah, that's true. That was a part of the Kronstadt rebellion, right? The Kronstadters were a little bit different. Were they ANCOMs or were they were they? No, they they were um. I think they were more like trade unionists. I think uh, today they would be n- more more known as syndicalists. Okay, fair but, enough. Um, Bird is working on something big as far as the Russian Revolution goes, and I can't wait for that to drop. Let me plug that real quick. Well, I can't That's wait. It's going to be either. like a three-hour thing. Dude, the first installment was tremendous to begin with. I yeah. mean, that was that took a lot of research, and he pieced it together because you know a lot of us that you know have history backgrounds, or at least you don't even have to have a degree. I mean, if you know the history of the movement, it, it, it the Russian Revolution's huge, especially the second part of it. You know, not not so much the Kerensky. I mean, yeah, it's huge when Kerensky's government is is taking over, and you know that the, the Tsar abdicates. But people forget that there's two revolutions. There's that one. And then there's the one that the Bolsheviks took over the country, yep. you know. Um, so here's this. Here, I sent everybody this picture of this. I found this from some uh, some left wing account. It has the traditional uh, spectrum or, uh, you know, the, the quadrants for uh, the political like, spectrum. I guess you could say. Uh, and of course, in the top left where you have the authoritarian left and the bottom right. Um, they have, uh, they, they, it says both, both of these have the same writing. It says does not exist because there's no difference between domination by private institutions and domination by state institutions and the things they identify, they put like the fascists at the top, right. And then the liberals are in the middle of the top, right. And then of course the tankies are all the way up North in the middle uh, of the authoritarian left and right. Okay. And caps all the way to the right hand side of the, of the quadrant. Then we got dem- democratic socialists are kind of riding the rail between authoritarian and libertarian left, which I find that very interesting. I don't even know how anybody came up with that one. Um, and then you got the left communists that are in the middle of the bottom left quadrant and comms all the way at the bottom where we would expect them. Collectivists and then mutualists kind of move towards. I guess that makes sense because the further you move to that right hand side, you're getting kind of closer to the agorist, uh, the agorist spot, which they completely left out. I don't know why. Uh, do you th- do you guys find this to be accurate, man? Like I'm not 100 percent sure that democratic socialists should have any foot in the libertarian left quadrant of this uh, of of this graph at all. Yeah, because. Democratic socialism exists within the context of capitalism. You're taking a vote to um, decide the um, the policies of different organizations, different market actors. 
They're using democracy to decide the policies of market actors. And you, in order to have a market, you have to have some form of private property, whether it's limited or not. And that's part of the brilliance of what you did to these folks, like, you know, call them, you know, like uh, bourgeois capitalist progs, because <laughs> it's so funny to say it like Chris is making it me is. laugh. too, But, I... dude, it's perfect because it's fucking true. Like, you're not yeah. you're not saying anything that's false. You're actually calling them what they are. And like it's it's a little bit it, it has a hint of disingenuousness coming from me. Because I know that there are actual ANCOMs, there are anarcho-communists that advocate, that have no, they don't care about, like, identity politics, they don't care about the, um, the aesthetics of a movement. Like, they live in a commune, like an agrarian commune, and everything is commonly owned, and that's all they advocate. So, I might be brushing up against those people, I might not be, but the fact is, is that... That entire movement has been co-opted by neoliberal, like I said, neoliberal bourgeois capitalist progs. It's it's perfect. And then the fucking uh, right. the head, the like you need to get duct tape to hold the heads together because when they hear that, it's just an explosion. Like everything that they believe in is attacked, and it's like, well, no, you are supporting the system. You may not realize it, but you definitely yeah. are. You know what I mean? Especially in the context of quote working within it to fix it. You know. They're using the anti-fascist movement, Antifa, and marching in locks in lockstep with, you know, Walmart, Procter and Gamble, fucking Target, like all these Fortune 500 corporations with rainbow flag AVIs just like mine, yeah. <laughs> and and call and and calling it revolution. It's not fucking hollow virtue signaling is all that shit is. Yeah. Well, yep. brilliant marketing, right? Because hey, I'm on your team. You know, continue to right, buy my shit. Works, you know man. what I mean? Absolutely. And to the credit of Marxist-Leninists, they, they usually see right through that. You know, it's funny that we had you're the one who's bringing me over to say, you know what, fair play to them, because they do, the, those hardcore Marxist-Leninists, they really do know what they're talking about. Now, of course, I don't agree with anything personally that they believe in at all. And, you know, a lot of, I, what is it with the Trot, the Trotskyists? Like, for example, like they... They don't believe in is it the um, they believe in continuous revolution because you have socialism with, within one country that's kind of like what Stalin did, and then mm -hmm. it's not the exporting of the revolution for the entire proletariat of the of the world, and that's where the the fourth international broke with the third international. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. From what I understand, yeah. How, how many Trotskyist groups are there left? I mean. They not only killed him, but I think they killed their movement. I know that there's that one mayor of, or not mayor, uh, that one lady that sits on the city council of Seattle. She's part of a Trotskyist socialist. I didn't even know it. I look, I had to look it up. She's the only one I can find that's famous. That's a Trotskyist. I, I have no idea well, if Trotskyism is still I didn't a know that either. Yeah, yeah. She sits on the city council of Seattle, which tells me everything I need to know. Um, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't think that they're much of a movement anymore because I, I don't know if nationalism's hard to beat that's really hard even stalin had a hard time with that during the second world war because people weren't willing to die for uh for communism but they were willing to die for mother russia and he had to start quoting like peter the great you know shit that any communist would look at me like why are you quoting that fucking king why are you quoting the czar you know what I mean? but in order to rouse that nationalistic patriotism in the people he had to use it so nationalism is a really hard thing to shake for people i mean look at the north koreans that's definitely not about exporting revolution i mean that's definitely mm -hmm. socialism or juche within one country you know yep. so i don't know i don't know if there's any trotskyites out there by the way you can email us get a hold of us if you're a trotskyite i need to know more information about this fucking thing i had no idea any of you existed except for that lady in seattle she's welcome to call I'll, too i'll put some feelers out to my my fucking comrades my 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 actual comrades, <laughs> comrades. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love tell, it, man. Tell us more of your tales from the motherland. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to leave, uh, one, one thing I wanted to like bring up to you guys is something that I've been kind of playing around with just in the last day, and I've been talking to like Pete and Bird and Carr about it. Um, this idea that Lenin actually um, has something to teach the bottom right. 
Like I, I know, like I, I don't consider myself an ANCAP. You guys don't consider yourself ANCAPs. Right. But we're we're probably somewhere on the bottom right. Oh yeah, easily. Um. Yeah, for sure. Lenin has something to teach teach us, because there's there's this idea of the separation between e- even even in modern times nowadays that there are the Mensheviks and there are the Bolsheviks even now. And um, I actually got this from reading a Mencius Moldbug article that Pete shared with me. Um, and, it, and, it, and it just blew my mind. Um, Lenin advocated not just working within the system to fix it. And from, from our perspective, you can see like within our, within our sphere of friends, like, who, who I'm talking about people that advocate fixing the system within the confines of the system, but he advocated completely replacing it. This is true. I mean, yeah, it's very revolutionary. Right. I mean, there was, yeah. that, there's definitely common ground there. And, and that, that's that revolutionary idea I think is lost is lost in this year, 2020. Um, that's that's lost on the bottom right. There are no, there are very few revolutionaries. You have your hardcore agorists and you have your boog boys, but I'm I'm still not convinced if like the whole boogaloo thing is just a meme. You know what I mean? I I know of real life agorists, but like the whole boogaloo theme, they they haven't shown me anything in real life. Well, the problem that we have with the with you know the boog boys is. Yeah, I saw them show up and I was really happy that they marched with people and shit because they hate the fucking cops as much as, you know, you know, the people that are actually suffering from police brutality. And that's fine and everything, but you know, I saw a meme where it was the Bugs Bunny and uh fucking Yosemite Sam where he keeps drawing a line in the sand and then the qu- I think it was Sal that put it up and there's like 500 lines in the sand and Bugs keeps backing up because <laughs> because because that's what it is, man. They keep saying one more step, one more step, and it's like, and we called that. We we didn't call them out, but we have a fr- you know. There's a friend of ours who's who is either one of them or is friends with a bunch of them, and I keep asking, you know, Hawaiian shirts aside, like when is the time you guys are going to decide to do something about it? And the bottom, this is that's where Sal won me over because even there's a friend of ours that's a. a, a former ranger 82nd airborne 75th ranger regiment and he told me he looked at me and he goes man he goes uncle sugar will kill you from outer space he goes there's no winning that fucking fight it's not gonna happen and you know i saw somebody comment on it today but like you know what man like you know the big luau is not happening it's not gonna happen your best bet yeah, is to like move I, out i actually the country. commented on that. yes i saw that I, I saw that yeah western civilization has lost its has lost any pretensions of revolution do you think that's because, like, if we think about, like, the Haymarket Affair, which had all the makings of, of a potential revolutionary moment, um, where they, you know, first of all, it's questionable whether the police staged the entire explosion, uh, you know, to get uh, Albert Parsons and, uh, and the seven others uh, in trouble for what happened. But it seems like the state has been very good to quell revolutionary moments or the state uses its political parties, its apparatuses, like, you know, the Democrats co-opting anti-war movements in the 1960s into the 1970s to where it becomes so watered down. It's no longer like SDS wasn't a real threat. You know what I mean? Uh, they don't we don't really have any of these like there's no uh, anarcho uh, syndicalist movements like the CNT in this country that had two million people that took over Catalonia. We never had that jump to the next level. I mean, I don't know if it's because the state here got wise to it or it's because people ran away from that sort of shit happening in Europe to come here where it's a little more quiet. I'm not so sure, you know, and another thing, too, is. Can you say that the, quote, proletariat class here in this country suffered the same way that proletariat class did in Europe? I don't I'm not 100 percent sure. You know what I mean? Like it's there, like you said, there's a disconnect. And I'm, I'm curious to see what you think it might be. Um, the answer is yes, all of the above. And I, I think it I think it also comes down to the fact that um, most of what you would consider the proletariat in the U S has a pretty decent standard of living. Yes. Like, like at the end of the day, we have a bed, we have a TV, we have a car and we have a cell phone. And really it, you might not have the, the top of the line version of all of those things, but you have them. 
and that's that's pretty universal um i think the more you get away from that the more you get away from that like that western standard of living um the more you can find more revolutionary um revolutionary feeling i guess right do you think things aren't things aren't bad enough to consider popping off at this time now will it be someday probably because at just the the um the way things are going the general pattern is for things to get worse to for things to get more authoritarian for more wealth to be expropriated from you know that that proletariat class and um it and you know, we have this ingrained idea about the rule of law and deference to authority, which comes from our like, you know, our Puritan beginnings for for a lot of the country, for my, my part, especially uh, in New England. Um, oh, yeah. No shit. There's not a whole lot of appetite for revolution unless it gets really bad, which is ironic because, you know, in my part, it got really bad when there was a three percent tax on fucking tea. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> It's ridiculous, and you know, I, I, a lot of credit to Thaddeus Russell because I read his book, A Renegade History of the United States, and it kind of broke my heart a little bit when he, you know, basically tells the reader, you know, the the colonists. I mean, slavery aside, of course, uh, that uh, the colonists were more free under the king than they were immediately after the Constitutional Convention. You know, it and it's it, it's heartbreaking because you had a real opportunity to change the world, a real revolutionary moment. And then you bring in these uh, puritanical assholes from the Northeast who bring, who basically marry the state and their religious beliefs as far as being pious and you know closing down the brothels, not having prostitution, you know being real square if you you know for lack of a better term. And we had missed that moment because the entire country was built by renegades, you know. Yeah. And and it's a shame that in it's a shame that we lost that, you know. And I'm, you know what, John Adams might have been right. You might need a Puritan. Uh, morally focused authoritarian state in order for democracy to work but that's that's more of an indictment on democracy than it is uh endorsement of you know an, an authoritarian democratic state absolutely I, I i couldn't agree more in fact yeah it is an it's a total indictment it's why i don't think any one of us is a real fan of it you know <laughs> i think that's excellent i'm sorry angel go ahead you had a question go i ahead. was gonna say do you think it's because the people are waiting for more people to you know if, if let's say like their neighbor was like yeah revolution and you know they went out in the streets with their guns and all of that do you think that they would also join if there was enough people in their area doing it and they've because there's not enough people doing it they kind of shy away from it that's an interesting question because on the one hand, the American Revolution, the the American Revolution was uh was perpetuated by what three percent of the population? That's yeah. the whole three percenter thing. Correct. Um, on the other hand, a good Bolshevik waits for an opportunity for revolution. He doesn't start a revolution. He waits until a revolution presents itself. He's a goddamn bandwagoner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. And and I'm getting that again from Mencius Mulbug's art uh, article. I'm gonna have um, to check that out. I have to read that. It's it it's very long and very wordy, but it's also brilliant and blew my mind. He's he's one of those people that's kind of post libertarian, but um He's he definitely has some interesting ideas. Does he get a bad rap for being anti-Semitic? I know that uh, Malice interviewed him for his book. I read his book and he interviewed him and he said some. You know, I, I don't know if they call him unfavorable things about Jewish folk, but is is does he get lumped in with that uh, alt right shit or is that uh, is that? Unfair? I mean, he definitely gets lumped into it, but he, I don't think he is actually. I think I think he's more matter of fact about it. Like this is what people believe. I don't know if he actually isn't anti-Semitic, but he he knows exactly like what the anti-Semite, like the motivations behind anti-Semitism. Got it. And is, and is able to expertly articulate them. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, we're, we're gonna definitely going to check that out. And then when I get the article, I'm going to put it in the show notes so people can read it. Uh, I was going to ask you uh, about this whole Boog movement. Now, you thought, like, you're not convinced if, and again, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm not 100% convinced because I'm not seeing any real activity. I mean, are, do you think it's just playing dress up or do you think that, 
it, it, is it you know like to, more to Angel's point, if you're by yourself, you know you're going to get murdered by the police. Like it, it, you're not you're not going to fight your way out of that. Do you think that people like that are waiting for more folks to join the movement, or are you know because I keep thinking this is what this is in my in my head. This is what I'm thinking. They're looking for a Lexington and Concord moment, right, where they put the army on the street. And then, you know, somebody fires the shot heard around the world, uh, you know, for the second time. Uh, and te- technically, we already have the army on the street and have since May. So what's what's the excuse for waiting? Like, I'm just I'm trying to get a feel for what you think. I think it's a I mean, from my very unexpert, very tangential opinion, I think it's a mix of looking for any excuse to start it and any excuse not to start it. Um that as far as that Lexington and Concord moment, I think as far as like localized, a localized boog movement goes, uh, it's a crapshoot. Like in the in the middle of fucking rural Idaho, maybe, but in the middle of Chicago, probably not. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. And, you know, I'm not trying to give anybody a hard time, you know, because the thing is, is like, you know, when you have one of those moments where, you know, shots start firing, you know, people who are not involved are going to end up getting hit and getting involved. And if the if the state is that committed, which they clearly are, to keeping their position of power, they're going to kill whoever the hell they need to. I mean, they've already double-tapped people with drones out, you know, in the, in the various wars that we've had since 2001. So I don't think that it would be much of a stretch for it to happen here. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe not, maybe there'd be a little more reluctancy. But in the end, if the state, you know, the, the state actors that want to hold on to power... I don't I don't think it's it's beyond them to act in that fashion towards their own citizens. Well, a unique advantage of the whole Boog movement faction is that they're mostly made up of uh, combat veterans and combat veterans know that even with a three percent population in in an insurgency, it's it's almost impossible for an occupying force to win. You know, that's true. And, you know, the thing is, is maybe it's not going to be, you know, once again, to reference the American Revolution, you're not going to have the siege at Yorktown, right, where you're going to pin Cornwallis. It's it's more of what happened to the Soviet Union in Afghanistan the first yeah. time, right? You're just going to outlast them. You're going to lose yep. a lot of guys, but they're going to bleed so much money and bleed so much, literally, that you're eventually just going to, they're just going to say, fuck it, we're out of here. We can't, we can't win, you know, and we can't loot. We, we're going to, we have no choice. We have to get the fuck out of here. So... I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, there's there's that overall dynamic, and then there's all of the other unknown dynamics of it being a domestic, a completely domestic action. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, get in on uh, both the Deadpool we have running right now, <laughs> the uh, the Jizz Lane Maxwell Deadpool. We're not. Pro- I, that's how I pronounce it now. So it's Jizz Jizz Lane. It's, Jizz Lane. it's fitting. It works. It it, it it comes nice off the tongue. No pun intended. Um, we're trying to. Fi- you're, you're invited to join the Deadpool, but uh, I also want to take bets. We're taking bets right now on who's going to win the election. And you got to. Yeah, this it's a good one because Joe Biden continues to have his pants shitting dementia moments all over the place. He said something stupid today about, you know, the black community is not as cool as the Latino community. I guess I'm not 100 percent sure it was really fucking stupid. It was it was to that effect. Yeah, basically. (laughs) He said a lot of really fucking stupid, overtly racist shit, man. Dude, I do. How about what you guys? You guys had it on your show where he talked to like we. I played it for Angel. She did not believe me about the fucking hairy legs. I didn't believe it. I thought maybe oh, it yeah, was like he was that. having a conversation and then somebody had like clipped it. You know, um, kind of like put two clips together. But no, it was just in the same no, was, thought. Like, yeah, that was like that yeah. was real. Like, because that's what <laughs> I thought at first too. I'm like, man, somebody had to have fucking edited this. And then like you see in the video, like his link, his lips are like synced up with what like the crazy fucking shit's coming out of his mouth yeah like, there is no cut said it yeah there's no <laughs> like, cut yeah there's no. no there was no cut there was no edit like he's really talking about <laughs> fucking kids rubbing his goddamn leg mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> fuck out of here bro <laughs> <laughs> no, so, Jesus, no, so, so far Christ. so far quincy and angel are the only two our forever, our mutual friend quincy he, he they're, these they, they're the only two that are picking trump to win yep 
Um, and uh, he thinks that uh, Quincy's got the uh, the electoral uh, votes at 306. Angel's got it at 290. Now, myself, Chris, and Randall, we all have, um, you know, pants shitting Biden winning this whole thing. I said he's going to get uh, 300 electoral votes. Chris said 285. And Randall said 280. So even if you don't want to buy in, it's it's yeah, it's a big pot right now. It's a hundred fucking dollars right now, twenty a person. It's getting real hot in here. Um, <laughs> but even if you just want to put a gentleman's wager down of just what you think's going to happen, I'd love to have it, man. What do you what do you how do you think it's going to shake out, man? Um, the election or jizz lane? Well, let's start with the election and we'll move on to jizz. All right. Um, <laughs> Oh God, it's tough because he Biden got so lucky with this coronavirus thing, almost to the point where, like, I want to be a conspiracy theorist and say that it's all fake and it was planned because he he cannot do any any interviews, any press conferences, any rallies like he just can't because, like you said, he's he's, he has like advanced dementia. Right. (laughs) He He can't fucking say shit without stumbling over his words. Yeah. Like, it's insane how inarticulate he is. Like, even when he was normal, he had a stutter. Now he's dementia with a stutter. So (laughs) it's it's between that, like, Biden, and then just Trump, he doesn't – he's lost a lot of his base. Like, the fervor of his base has kind of died down. Demographics have not been in his favor um, as far as the electoral college goes and all the the battleground states. So it's like 50-50, but – I will, I will go with the incumbent president not being knocked off. Oh, this is bold. Do you think he yeah. does it again with the electoral college? Because I don't see a popular vote win at all in his cards. No, I, I, I'm going to say it's going to be a repeat of 2016. Okay, okay, fair enough. Do you got a number? Do you think that uh, it'll be what? What is it? To, what is it to win? I think it's 270. It's two, isn't it? It's 270 yeah, it's to win. Okay. Oh, I couldn't even begin to guess the electoral votes. It it really doesn't matter. I mean, I, I think it's going to be extremely close to two seventy. Okay, all right. What, what was last election? What did he get last election? He got over three hundred eventually, didn't he? Yeah, I think he got like three twenty five. We got this thing called I the don't... fucking internet in front yeah. of us. No, and, no. you know, I'm <laughs> such an idiot. Yeah, that yeah, thing. It requires, like, effort. Oh, you mean that shit. porn machine? Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what he got. Let's let's see what Mr. I Trump did. Since we are on commune, I will let Jay do work while I sit back and do nothing. And <laughs> it's perfect. The experiment worked. Yeah, he got three hundred and fucking four. He got three oh four, man. Yeah, and and even that's kind of eking out a win. I'm gonna say he wins even narrowly, even more narrowly than 2016. All right, I'm putting it down. Uh, it, 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 you know, I'll put I'll put your money up for you. Since that's my, that's my treat for, to you. For my pick. So I actually already lost a bet with Bird about Jizzlane. How did how'd you lose? So <laughs> we took a bet of when when and how she would or uh, no just just when she would die. It was a couple episodes ago, uh, I think three episodes ago, and I said, all right, this was like I think back in May. And remember, I have no concept of linear time, so this could have been like two weeks ago. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like back in like the beginning of May when she first got caught. And I bet Bird five dollars, five dollars, but not a kick in the dick, um, that she would die within within a week of her being, you know, held in a held in a jail cell. Yeah, this the same location. Yeah, I I don't know how she's still alive either, man. Somebody, I, I I'm telling you. I'm, Go ahead, I'm, Chris. I'm, legit, I'm legitimately surprised. Like, I thought for sure. Like, I, I was thinking like a month tops and then she gets suicided. <laughs> They're not going to uh, let her die, it's, though. because It's like, probably preordained that she's going to give up like a couple of unimportant names for a plea deal. Right, yeah. Right. No, nobody real is going to get fucking crushed. No, and like since yeah, Jeffrey Epstein, you know, was suicided, um, I don't think that they'll allow her to get killed. They'll probably protect her because everybody's already looking, you know, for that to happen. And somebody has to hang for this shit, you know, so they're going to hem her up. Like somebody has to, you know, go down for the charges since the main dude is dead. 
I, I guess so, man. But they have the flight logs. It was wild to see the fucking names on it. Like, it was. It used to be like I, once again. I, I people are gonna get fucking tired of hearing us say it, but Alex Jones was fucking on to more than people give him credit for. Like, man, <laughs> he said Clinton was fucking on the Lolita Express back in the early part of the last decade. Yeah. Like he called it out. He was like, no, no, no. He's like, he's the one who came up with the twenty some times that he flew out to the low on the Lolita Express, and lo and fucking behold, he did. You know what I mean? And then with two young travelers or two young girls, I mean, like I'm telling you right now, man. Like even Will Smith's names on there. Like the all the elite Tom Hanks, all these fucking guys, man. Like a lot of credits got to go to Alex because he said the whole goddamn thing was run by pedophiles, and he doesn't seem to be too far off right now. You know? Yeah. I, I know. Right. Right. Yeah, he was like a QAnon before there was even a QAnon. That's like, right. true. Yeah. 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 Like, well, like he. He, he doesn't get enough credit because, you know, his personalities, he, he acts insane. But like, right. if yeah. you if you can sift through his bullshit, like <laughs> he's there's, there's, there's definitely definite <laughs> kernels of truth in there. But, yeah, he was but ahead he of his time on Waco. Was. Chris, remember that? Yeah. Like he was he was one of the first people to start jumping on the what the fuck happened at Waco. Like, I mean, that's how he right. cut his teeth doing that public access show that he did on. Mm-hmm. I, I, God, wouldn't that have been nice to fucking watch him on public access TV back in the day before he really started drinking and he was working out and he was just <laughs> he was still a maniac, but he had it together mm-hmm. somewhat. But he wasn't crying like he does now. Like the, like the <laughs> Alex Jones crying really fucking unsettled. He cries all well, the time now. He cried or? when. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 He yeah. cried when he when fucking Trump uh, uh, bombed Syria because he got it wrong. He backed. He thought he was backing an anti-war horse, and whoops, <laughs> no, I'm I'm afraid not, Mr. Jones. I'm yeah. afraid not. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't win them all. <laughs> no, you can't. I mean, maybe if Alex took some more super male vitality. You know, Some colloidal silver, <laughs> colloidal silver right. from the Infowars shop. <laughs> I love the guy, but goddamn, man, Dude, every time. I, 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 oh. I always think that the fucking one thing that makes me fucking laugh all the time. I always think of that Alex Jones video that somebody edited on, on YouTube. Oh yeah, Alex the song Jones going Super Saiyan. <laughs> oh no, yeah, the Super Saiyan one is really it's funny. Like, uh, uh, and someone edited the fucking golden Super Saiyan hair on him and shit. It was fucking hilarious. Like I, I almost fucking pissed myself the first time I saw that video. That's beautiful. I, I love it. I love it. All right, now that we have the presidential election all sewn up here with uh, the participants. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm putting up Aaron's money for him that way. You know what? You can get the 120 bucks. It's all yours. It's our treat. Um, oh man, that would go a long way to ending my homelessness. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys, use guys care. Use guys give a fuck the, over the, here. That's right. It's the use guys pod stimulus package. <laughs> <laughs> you really are running a charity. Right, he right. certainly are. Uh, the jit now the jizz here. Here's the problem. I have this handy dandy whiteboard because Chris, I kept fucking. I don't fucking think they can see it. They can't see it. Here, but I'm gonna, give it to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking. Uh, I was writing it down and scribbling shit out every time she survived, and we had to move the goalposts because we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. So I need categories, man. Like we need proper categories for this Jizzlane Deadpool. Like I don't. I don't know. Can you guys see? I it? don't know what I don't know what yeah, to I do with it. it. It's it's good. Okay. Oh, yeah. he, it's, okay. It's good. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we need to know. Like, what are the proper categories? Because I've got, does, how does she plea in court? Like, a guilty, not guilty, or does she take a plea deal? You know, that's one category. The other one is death, and it's the time frame of death. Now, Angel tried to get away with fucking some of the money here, which she would have never collected anyway, by the way, because you were like, oh, she's going to make it into her 80s. She's like, no, no she's no, not no. going to die. No, I meant before. <laughs> I meant before the trial. I clarified that. We had the conversation, sir. You clarified that shit post-script. I did. I did. <laughs> Off the record, though, so it doesn't count. No, right. it was it was still Therefore, on the record. It, it it was recorded. It was one of the one of the podcasts. All the right. Jizz Lane oh. one, apparently. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we, we, a lot of jizz goes on in this conversation. <laughs> like we can't keep right. up with all the goddamn jizz. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I I what? How do you pronounce your name again? 
For real? Ghislaine. I think, I think, yeah, Ghislaine. Ghislaine. No, it's but Jizz. G- Jizz Lane Sorry. sounds so much better. Sorry. Sounds That's so just... much better and so much more fucking derogatory and apropos, if you ask me. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, absolutely. I really right. thought that is how you said it was Ghislaine because of the, the G and the H and the, what is it, I-S-L-A-N-E or something along those lines. That's We're just a bunch of it. fucking public school yeah. educated Americans. I saw <laughs> Jizz. I just saw I Jizz. Saw, I, I spell it phonetically. It's J-I-Z-Z. <laughs> L-A-N-E. <laughs> Jizz Lane. Jizz Lane. <laughs> Which um, is the address of the bridge I live under. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that was perfect. Oh, Jesus. What are you drinking? Aaron, what are you drinking, man? I got to know. I got to know. Oh, man. So it's the day before payday, so I'm real poor right now. <laughs> I'm doing oh, uh, a... <laughs> um, vodka and cran apple. That's decent. No, that's good. Mm-hmm. I, that that's my uh, go-to is uh, vodka, vodka and cranberry is... of you know any sort. That's my go-to. Yeah, I mean I, I would prefer vodka and cran grape, but it just wasn't in the budget. <laughs> <laughs> the, gra- the grape is just a little too rich for you, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The great markets have really taken a turn, and it's just out of my reach. <laughs> Dude, Chris and I, we worked together for, I, Jesus, Chris, how long did we work together? From 2006 to, when I, what, 2013 or so? Yeah. And we, yeah, for, there was yeah, this one guy, definitely. his name was Chris as well, and you could tell, it's so funny, because he was a smoker, and you can tell when the poor smokers get paid and when you're getting close to payday, because Marlboro Reds, would be on payday, man. The, the cash yep. is fresh. They're yep. getting the fucking Marlboro Reds full flavor. And by the day before payday, it was like fucking Mavericks or USA Gold. <laughs> you know, just, just just like they used like fucking cat entrails to fill it. On oh. payday, comrade, the, the Marlboro Reds, they flow like wine. They f- <laughs> yeah. Uh, I used to work at a convenience store. And like I can tell you right off the bat that scratch tickets and lottery and cigarettes we're like the first and the fifteenth, we sold out. I bet dude. <laughs> you'd have people. You'd have people chasing fucking scratch ticket books with their social security checks. It's amazing. Oh my god, that would be great to see. Like I, dude, and like it's when you go to the store. I know Angels had this experience, mm-hmm. man. Like oh, you know, I'm not knocking anybody, but I'm just saying when you know the mon- the Uncle Sugars kicked the check out. Stay the fuck out of the store, man. Like yeah, it I don't is go a madhouse until like yep. the fourth or the fifth because the first, second, and third, like it's filled. Yeah, so the fourth or the fifth is is safe typically. Yeah. Hey, once yep. again, hey, we're here to help. We're giving shopping tips to people. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. we're, we're sending Aaron money. Hopefully, yeah, I, I, I swear to God, every time I'm in a fucking hurry and I go to like the. Uh, like the the gas station or whatever. Like I always, every time I'm in a fucking hurry, I always get stuck behind the prick with fucking fifteen goddamn lottery tickets. Oh, I hate that man. shit. Yeah, it happens like, to me too. You I hate it. Yeah. Son of beach. So <laughs> as a cashier, I would see you at the back of the line getting visibly annoyed, <laughs> and it would bring me joy. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> While the fucking 80-year-old lady spending her social security chasing a fucking scratch ticket book is cashing in her, like, like fucking 16 tickets. I'd be right. like, yep. Yes, ma'am. I will take my time and add that up. That's awesome. <laughs> and everybody wonders why they're eating cat food. It's not because they're giving, you know, it's not because they ran out of money on the scratch fucking tickets. Oh, I guess I got to eat Fluffy's fucking food. Hey, look, Shit. At the, at the end of the day, I'm an, I'm an Austrian economist. I'm all about marginal utility. All right. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough, man. I, value, I value scratch tickets more than I value the food in my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love it, man. Uh, you know, I don't have uh, anything else to, to, to talk about, but I do. One thing I want to circle back, Aaron, is like you talked about, um, like on, on the Fadcast show that you guys did, that you were talking about this that piqued my curiosity. How did, like, you mentioned specifically reading Stalin and how he talked about ANCOMs and kind of how he attacked them. What is it that you think that we could learn? And I mean, once again, generically as anarchists, like, what is it that we can learn from his attacks and how have you if anything have implemented it in the way you've attacked the left from the left that's uh it's rough because a lot of the ways that he attacked them um you know the the dynamics of marxism have changed a lot 
since you know the 1920s the 1930s um he attacked them on philosophical principles because anarchists at the time they were kind of they had kind of half a foot in the door for um dialectic materialism and um you know hegelian hegelian thought um anarchists at the time didn't view hegel as or hegelian dialectic as a scientific method they viewed it as metaphysics and anarchists themselves have a metaphysical approach to why anarchism is like the most equitable system um whereas whereas hegelian dialectic is a scientific approach like anytime you're analyzing reality and trying to arrive at truth you apply hegelian dialectic and it's 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 an objective measurement it's here's a here's a uh, thesis here's a synth here's the antithesis and here's a synthesis and you can tell the vodka's kicking in but um, <laughs> <laughs> um so it's a very scientific approach and anarchists at the time of stalin were uh critical of that um they took a metaphysical approach um so i i can't really um i can't really apply his criticism in any meaningful way today other than like the uh i mean the reality of what happened right like the like anarch when when the bolsheviks the, the way that the bolsheviks took power was they eliminated all their enemies um so from a utilitarian perspective the Bolsheviks were successful and yeah, yeah absolutely. They, they realized success more than any anarchist movement whatsoever with maybe the exception of the Zapatista movement in Mexico. Yes. Well if, said. If yep. You, if you can, if you can even call that like anarchism, what are, what would you, still, would you call them? Would they be anarcho primitivists? I mean, what are like, what are they? Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah, I guess like e eco anarchists. I don't know, but I mean, they're never going to realize a standard of living even comparable to capitalism. Like they're one of the things that one of the weaknesses of left anarchism and maybe of right anarchism is its inability to incorporate heavy industry. Uh, okay. Into its paradigm. Um, the Zapatistas are definitely an example of that. They are very limited to subsistence farming, um, you know, and they rely on kind of they they rely on capitalist countries to kind of like give them aid, pretty much. It's true. I mean, it is true. And you know what the interesting thing is too. I think Pete covered this in uh, the Monopoly on Violence. Like, there's a certain part in Mexico. I think it's in the state of Oaxaca. I'm not 100 percent sure where they have like an autonomous anarchist town where they abolish the government and they got rid of the police and they kind of do what they want to do. But I think that only functions really in a country where you have an ongoing civil war with bigger actors, right? Because the government, which is colluding with some of the drug cartel, is fighting the other elements of the government who's colluding with, you know, other elements of the drug cartel. So that kind of takes a backstage. You know, if you tried to pull that off in, in fucking Des Moines, Iowa, I think that it would be over really fast. And I mean yeah. really fast. Like, you're not going to be kicking out the fucking city council and just abolishing all, all government and the police. I don't think they would that, – that, uh, once again, Uncle Sugar is going to let that slide at all. Yeah, I have kind of a headline understanding of that, too. Um, the Zapatistas, who I've read into a little bit, they they kind of got lucky because they're in a mountainous region. And they didn't really have that much resistance to their revolution to begin with. So I think they're a special case where, you know, if, if you want to lower your standards enough to call that anarchism, then... Yeah, I guess I guess they're an example of, you know, a, a Paris commune that's lasted more than fucking three months. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah, and they constantly. I know that the syndicalists kind of they really uh, they and I have I don't have any beef with them. I'm just they they always you know put out put Catalonia up there. That is a big big success. That and of course, like you said, like you know the aforementioned Paris commune. But apart from those, you really don't see a lot of success and more to the point that you had made uh once again on the other show 
um, uh, on the FADCAST, anarcho-capitalism has only been able to really have an opportunity to function in the modern era, like right now with technology, because uh, if you would have came up with this, you know, if, if, if Rothbard was, was, was penning works back in the 1880s, I don't think anybody would have fucking read it, honestly. I mean, there's... No, like, absolutely not, yeah. especially not during the Industrial Revolution. He's very much a post-Industrial Revolution thinker. Um, you know, during the Industrial Revolution, that's the whole reason why Marx got so popular, is because you can... You can adopt a Marxist theory of history outlook, even as an anarcho-capitalist, you can see what Marxists have to say about their theory of history, their stages, and agree with them 99% of the time. The only disagreement anarcho-capitalists have with Marxists as far as their theory of history goes is their, their foundation that it rests on is the exploitation theory. Like, we do not view, you know, profit or private property as inherently exploitative. Yeah, correct. I, I I agree with you. And you know, furthermore, I, I really also think that uh, Marx. I mean, Marx already won because we use his language. We use language from Das Kapital. Like he he eventually gets the last laugh because he's the one who coins capitalist class. I mean, he right. we're, we're using capitalist his language. Absolutely. Yeah. And there will never be a point in time where a thinker like him can exist nowadays with everybody with when there's like, you know, somebody with the same propensity and IQ as Marx to exist when there's probably a thousand people that are just as smart and just as persuasive as him. Like it, it's like great thinkers are pretty diluted now from from all, you know, corners of the political compass. I agree with you. Uh, you know, I, I own a copy of the Communist Manifesto. I'm a recovering leftist. Uh, when I was a moron and a child, uh, I was a member of the Socialist Party USA. I've come all the way around. I started way over there on the left, and I eventually just moved all the way fucking off the political spectrum to where I'm at now. But the Communist Manifesto is a very bad thing to read, not because of the content, because it doesn't have any real substance. Like, And, you re and Das Kapital takes a fucking commitment like that is a very large body of work it's like human action <laughs> yeah no really yeah so i always like i had this conversation you know we had this conversation with sal excuse me like you know introductory books like if you really want to dip your toes into what marx is thinking do you uh, did you read the book on marx i know that that's a book that's out there does that is that what you would recommend to people to try to see how he's seeing things or what would be something that you would recommend somebody to get their toes wet um, knowing, knowing the contemporary audience and their, their attention span, um, I would recommend a YouTube video and it's actually, this, this might be controversial, but it's actually by Hans Hermann Hoppe and it's his, uh, private property and freedom foundation. I think it's what it's called. I'm a little inebriated, so I might be getting that wrong. <laughs> um, but the title of the video is what Marx got right. And that was another little pivotal, pivotal point that made me re-examine what I what I thought. Like I was absolutely shut out to leftists to Marxists for a lot of a lot of my time as an adult. And um, that kind of like I was saying earlier, um, and anarcho-capitalists can agree with about ninety-nine percent of Marxist theory of history, um, except for exploitation theory. And I got that from that video what Marks got right. Excellent. We're going to put it in the show notes and I'm going to personally watch it uh, either tonight or tomorrow. So that, that way I can, uh, I can understand uh, what, and Hoppe's no, uh, that's a black belt you're dealing with if I wanted to use a martial arts equivalent. So that's definitely going to be a deep dive, at least for me and probably the, the rest of us. But um, um, anybody have anything else before we wrap it up? No, I just want to say thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks for coming. And thanks for having me. It was awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm always into uh, co collaborations and, you know, plugging plug everybody else in the in the liberty movement. Right. I would say it's definitely one thing that we've noticed about, like, the vast majority of the people in the liberty movement. Like, everybody's, like, you know, fucking chill and, like, into, like, you know, actually having like legit conversations and coming on to each other's podcast. Like it's, it's pretty awesome. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, yep. I agree, and I couldn't, I couldn't thank you enough more. You're welcome to come back anytime and hang out with us, man. <laughs> thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Like you, you, uh, you changed my outlook for sure. So I still have a total man crush on you, Aaron. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, play your cards right. I was in the Navy after all. <laughs> <laughs> and only you can make that joke. Brilliant. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's it from us, us guys, uh, to use guys. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, special shout out to our newest patron, Jason, and shout out to our friend, Paul B from B town. And of course, at JT Libertas, AKA Anarcho Australian. Thank you guys for listening. Get us at info at useguyspod.com, useguysandat at gmail.com and our brand new fucking website that I fucked up the merch for that I'm going to fix very goddamn soon. Useguyspod.com. Thanks everybody. We'll see you again. Bye. Peace. See you. Woo!